Don't miss it tomorrow. Jimmy V Classic doubleheader. FAU takes on Illinois. Then Carolina, UConn's on ESPN and the ESPN app. Dan, will be watching that. We'll be there. Are you going to the game? Of course we're going to the game. Bringing all my kids and all their friends. That should be a lot of fun. Oh, bummer. We've been yelling. (laughs) 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 All right, with that, we welcome you back to Get Up. Better than them. (laughs) We are live from the seaport. We are brought to you by Chase. We are jam-packed with lots of yelling today, and that will continue into hour number two. But if you're just getting up, this is the only place to begin. The statement of the night was made by the San Francisco 49ers. They go on the road to Philadelphia. This is the battle of bad blood, and I am here for every ounce of it. How good was Christian McCaffrey yesterday? Awesome. You know, that run game and their offensive line in San Francisco really started to own the line of scrimmage as this game went on. And then Debo Samuel touches Different ways they got him the football. Philadelphia just poor in their adjustment defensively. Reverse touchdown for San Francisco. Debo has scored three touchdowns. Uh, McCaffrey oh. had over 130 yards offense. They're just unstoppable. Just get him the ball, right? There's, there's strength. There's balance. And then Dom pointed this out before. That's like the surprising speed again running away from people. That one moment that really scared you, no matter who you root for, is when Hurts gets hurt on this play here. You'll see him get hit in the head. Then he'd go to the blue tent. Then he'd go to the locker room. They put him through the concussion protocol. He would return. So one can only assume that he's fine, and we certainly hope so because, remember, they go to Dallas this coming Sunday night. Meanwhile, after Hertz's return, the Niners just needed one more play to put it away, and it's Debo who would do it. Perimeter screen, just how much trust he has in those offensive linemen, the convoy, going to where they have to and just cutting right off their backside. And so in the second half last night, this was no contest. There's no question about it. The 49ers delivered a knockout blow on the road yesterday. So the question, Rex, is what does it mean? What do we say about San Francisco this morning? Uh, clearly the, the best team in the National Football League. Not even close. Not even close. And, and I'll tell you why. Number one, they are so balanced as an entire football team. Might have the best offense in the league and certainly have the best defense in the league. They give up less points than anybody, if that means anything. Mm-hmm. And their quarterback <laughs> is ridiculous. Yeah. And so to me, yes, that's clearly the best team in the S- league. Someone used the word, I forget who in our meeting this morning, they're the Monstars. Like, like you just what, was it you who said that, Danny? I forget who used that term, but you said Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey and Kittle I, and, 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 and Trent Williams. You, know, you send that team off the bus, that's a pretty intimidating-looking group. Yeah, it's the most talented roster in football. It's also the best-coached roster in football. Kyle Shanahan was the difference last night. The, it was a master class when it came to how to attack a defense. They had answers to everything. Uh, they attacked the zone in ways that Dan's going to point out later. And then if you want to man up against them, that's where the Monstars point comes into yeah. play. They're going to find a mismatch somewhere along the line. There just aren't enough good players on just about any defense in the league to man up against those guys. I think last night, though, as much as it was about San Francisco, we got to talk about Philly, right? Like, we, 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 we have to talk about Philly has issues. And I think they're, we, we've, at least I have overlooked them a little bit. I, I think, I'll start here. I've given Brian Johnson, their play call, a lot of credit for situational football. I think that's been really good. If I had to ask you guys, like, who is, right this year, who is Philadelphia on offense? Uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And, and A.J. Brown. Well, they were A.J. Brown for a while, and then he has quieted a little bit. You know, like, they're, they're, again, last night, their offensive line hasn't dominated this year like it did last year. Right. That was apparent last night. They ran the ball nine times last night. They are 350 – Kemble gave me this number. They have run the ball for 350 yards less this year mm-hmm. at this point than they did last year. 
Well, you know what? Let's, let's, let's talk about that great offensive line. That offensive line, right? How great they are. It's not the same. They gave up 26 pressures last night. Yeah. 26, 21 on just a four-man rush. So you're right, Dano. It's not the same. It's not the same group, dominant-wise. And I've been sitting back the whole time saying that they've been outpointing people. They're, they're like a guy and, that and, doesn't get any knockouts. And you know what? Eventually, it catches up to you. What happened last night? They got knocked the heck out. And doesn't out. it feel like they're pass-happy at times? Like yes. it was a, And I know Sirianni's identity or philosophy is we're going to throw to score, run to win. I get all that. And maybe they felt like if they don't jump on San Francisco to our point, like they can't stop them. But they come out so pass-happy last night. And it, it, they did it last week as well. They just got away with it. And I think we have to be honest, and they have to be honest about, like, who they are, who they can be on offense. Are they too pass-happy? Is it too A.J. Brown-centric? Because offensively, they don't have an identity right now. Hembo and I think alike. I mean, that was just putting up that stat. They had nine rushing attempts from people who don't play quarterback. In the game yesterday, the Eagles did. That said, can I just tap the brakes a touch on Philadelphia? Because leading into last night's game, their last three games in inverse order were against Buffalo, Kansas City, and Dallas. Do we think those teams are all pretty good? But what good? did we say about they it? They won all three games. But what did we say about it, though? They found a way to win. Like okay. It was, yeah. it was the quarterback That's the objective. Right? <laughs> the objective. Very rarely yeah. have I heard a team criticized for finding a way to win. We are, we're measuring them against what, we, what they were last year, Amen. and they aren't that. Uh, they are in the mix with the teams. Last year, they were head and shoulders above everyone else. Now they're in the mix. They have a chance, but I would not pick – if I had to pick one team in the NFC, it's not them right now, and I think I might even like the Cowboys more than them. We'll see when they play again. Think Dallas yeah. going to beat them on Sunday? Who? I think they will. And that's one. remember a few weeks ago, even after they, they beat Dallas, I said, yeah, let's see what happens. They're better than they are now. I think Dallas will close the gap. And look, they're going to. Dallas is going to win this game in Dallas next week. I believe it. And now we're really going to have some issues, yeah, aren't we? I've gone back and forth on Jalen and his left knee. I really have. I've been like, they're not using as much quarterback run this year because they understand they don't need it right now and they will use it when it's necessary. Yesterday, they win yesterday, they're the one seed. It's almost like the right. season's done for them, regular season-wise, and they didn't use it. So now I sit here and I go, there's, there's got to be something that is a bigger issue with Jalen Hurts' left knee than that is being led on because they're not using quarterback run, zone read, nearly as much as they did offensively last year. When the Eagles and Cowboys played each other four weeks ago, we all looked at the schedule and we said, wow, the, the, the Eagles have a tough road between now and then. Yep. They got to play Kansas City. They got to play Buffalo. They got to play San Francisco. If I had told you then they're going to come out of that stretch two and one, would you have said that's pretty good? Absolutely, yeah, not yeah. so bad. That's what they did. Let's also remember that the 49ers hadn't played since Thanksgiving. They Good had day 10 rest. days off. Totally. The Eagles were playing their third game in 13 days. In the second half, they looked gassed. I don't need to explain to you. Well, maybe I do need to explain to you, football <laughs> players, that I think that the physical difference in that made an enormous difference. Do I think the 49ers are just going to bludgeon the Eagles like that if they meet again in the playoffs? I don't playoffs think last night was the same. I'm not saying it's a fluke, but it looked at the, the difference I mean, I, in physicality was extraordinary. It was 13-6 at halftime. 
That's what I'm saying. And then in the second half, it looked like they ran out of steam. Their defense just got so, blown that, over, I thought, in that I, second half. I think half. you're right. The game's closer if they are on a neutral field and if everything, all conditions are the same. But that's never how football works. And it's closer, and maybe they can pull it out in a late stretch. But also, they're going up against a much better defense than they've played recently in the 49ers. That's a tough game for them. It's a tough matchup for them. Yes. There's, it's hard to look at that roster and say, well, we got that matchup here. I'm not as hard on their O-line as Dan is. I think they should run the ball more. I thought their O-line was pretty solid last night against that great defensive front. But that's the only place where I can consider they having it. O-line is solid, no doubt. I'm not – I don't want to, like – Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying, that offensive line was dominant last year. I go back to the NFC title game last year, and me and Marcus were doing tapes, and they were just blowing yeah. double teams off the ball. They didn't – they haven't done that really this year. And that's and they the greatest point. Maybe they, it's because – And they didn't do it last yeah. night again. Yeah, the, the biggest problem, though, is not their offense. It's their defense. Yeah. And, and here's – a himbo gave me this stat. They're dead last in third down defense. Yeah. Dead last. It's tough. All right. And so, and I can sit back on the couch and tell you what coverage you're in. If I can do that from the couch, you don't think these teams, you know, know exactly what you're in. That's part of their problem, too. It's not just the players. It, it's part of this system. They don't disguise. Yeah, they system, don't challenge the a offense. A system like that where you're not disguising and you're not doing anything tricky, what is required there is a lot of experience in the secondary. So, like, you think of a team like San like, Francisco. Like, no, like San Francisco or the Legion right. of Boom is what I was going to say. Yeah. You have a talented, experienced secondary. You have a hell of a pass rush, a D-line that is dominated. That was another problem last night. That D-line was not dominant. If you are not going to overpower people up front, you need to start tricking them in the back end. Right. This group isn't trying to trick anybody, and they're not overpowering the 49 Maybe the point I'm making actually is the best illustration of how critical the one seed may wind up being in the NFC this year. And that's why this coming Sunday night, as though it needed any more on it. Remember, the Eagles maintain just they only have two losses. San Francisco has three. Dallas has three. Detroit has three. They definitively need – would you say the Eagles need – home field advantage to be able to beat San Francisco? No. I think the team that needs the one seed is Dallas. Dallas is a different team at home, uh, it's a different yeah. team on that surface Fair. than anywhere else. So I think the team that needs the one seed is the Dallas Cowboys. It helps, but the one seed is Dallas. I think every team needs the one seed. Yep. Why? Because yep. of the bye week. Exactly. You want to get fresh? Yeah. You want to do That's all that? That's a good point. Everybody and also, only, one, bye only one bye week. Jason Kelsey, in his own words, said last night, we're not good enough. Still a very good football team. Oh, yeah. But they got to be honest about the way that they have played over the last five weeks and who they are and how they got to fix some stuff. I'll repeat that. In those weeks, they beat Miami, they beat Buffalo, they beat Kansas City, and they beat <laughs> Dallas over the last five weeks. And I'm not what to tell you. They lost their second game of the season yesterday. Okay. We'll have more on them as we go. Let's do Sunday superlatives. Let's run around the league. Dan. Who was the most impressive to you this weekend? Yeah, Shane Steichen and the Indianapolis Colts. Playing a game, Tennessee, tough with Mike Vrabel. And they found a way to win again. Gardner Menchu, with everybody who wants to say he's this or that, he wins. And this team lost their first-round quarterback early on in the season and knows, like, oh, maybe they're done. Shane Steichen, they've got ability to score on offense. They are in December and in the playoff conversation an incredible win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And no one's more fun to watch celebrate than Gardner Minshew. Neek, what was your favorite moment yesterday? And I'll remind you that wins is not a quarterback stat, but it's a receiver stat. <laughs> Tyreek Hill is the MVP of the league. He's going to be the first receiver to get 2,000 yards. He is unguardable, and he's also an incredible choreographer. These celebrations are great. Let's get on a roll. Oh, no. Get safe. Get safe first. Safety first. Ah! 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 
<laughs> so much fun. A roller coaster of TDs for Tyreek Hill. And I Hill. agree. That I, was sick. I loved it. Rex, biggest disappointment. Same game right here. Hey, hey, Same uh, play. I got one thing. Oh. Tugboat Ron. Do you watch tape? Do you watch tape? Tugboat. All right. All Miami does 100% of the time in empty is have number two run a vertical route. Do you, you're the, the only one that doesn't know it. Everybody in the stadium knows it. I, I'm watching from the couch and know that's the only route they run on that side. Can we take you a, come in, you're we, the last one in, first one to leave. Give me a break. Can we take a second to celebrate Rex? Because, I mean, sometimes, I sometimes coaches come on TV and they try to protect their own. Rex <laughs> is going after Bill. He's going after Tugboat. He, he went after um, Brandon Staley. Everybody. Rex don't give a damn. Anybody nope. can get it from What did Rex. you call Brandon Staley? <laughs> the equalizer. Oh, do you, do you recoach? The equalizer. <laughs> oh, man. Me and Dan come here. We come, we come at your neck a little bit, but we're not going to completely. I got no filter because I tell the truth. And when I'm seeing this right here, like, I literally can't stand seeing it. When, when I can sit back and see empty, and I know the one route you get on the three-man side, and, you know, it had to surprise the heck out of the quarterback because he's always looking at number two running the option on the uh, two-receiver yeah. side. Uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Boom! They actually had, Boom! They actually had the safety. The safety was actually shading away from Tyreek. Oh, yeah. They know where they're going to run it. Dude. It's the darnest thing I've ever seen. Rex Ryan. National treasure. We continue in a moment. If you didn't stay up late last night, you're not going to believe how this game ended at Lambeau Field. How is this possible in a game of this magnitude? Plus, the yelling will recommence. Did the CFP playoff committee get it right yesterday with the four teams? That conversation is loaded, and it is on the way. This is Get Up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
We are back. And if you didn't stay up late last night, you missed an unbelievable game. You missed Patrick Mahomes. You missed Jordan Love. You missed Taylor Swift. Under two, six minutes to go, I should say, in the third quarter. Packers in the red zone. How about this throw to Christian Watson? I love the throw because it's the plan of pressure, and then he throws it up high to Christian Watson oh. in all-out man blitz where only his physical ability can go catch it. Now we're in a minute left in the game. Chiefs are down by eight. Mahomes looking to escape here. He's going to run to the sideline. Jonathan Owens is going to get called for a 15-yard penalty for hitting him inbounds. Neek? I mean, it's the end-of-the-game clutch situation right there at the first down marker, and it doesn't go out. It's a clean play. It's an absolutely clean play. It's a terrible call, but it was nothing compared to a call that was still to come. And here it is. Danny, come on. How is that not pass interference? It is. It's pass interference. This is another example of poor officiating. It's another example of how the officiating and the process of it is ruined in the NFL and there's another example of how it has a tremendous impact on football games. I mean it, it certainly could by the way they would spin here in the Holmeswood because he's ridiculously good and almost get the Hail Mary to go at the end but in the end they wind up losing by eight the call looming obviously very large here was Mahomes with his response after it was over. It is what it is man I mean they Obviously, the guy was probably a little early, but at the end of the game, they're letting guys play. I'm kind of about that. I'd rather you let the guys play and let the guys win it on the field. It's a hard job, man. So uh, when we're in that situation. I can't be wanting a flag. I have to try to go out there and win the game myself and with the rest of my teammates. That's an unbelievable thing to say. It's ludicrous, but it's unbelievable. But, Dominique, at the end of the day, here's the bottom line of it. I'm not here to bury the officials. They're doing the best that they can. It is an incredibly difficult game to officiate. Why on earth wouldn't everything be reviewable? Why couldn't you look at that again, something that egregious, and say, you know what, we got that one dead wrong, and, and, and we could just undo it right there. I've been calling it on the radio for years, the second look rule. If I need to look at something a second time, we're not overturning it. But no one needs to look at this a second time. It is as obvious as pass interference can possibly be. Rex, it's not about burying the officials. They're no. trying as hard as they can. But there are mechanisms in place by which they could solve this. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely horrendous. And the impact it had on the game, would, would Kansas City have, have scored a touchdown? Yes. Would they have made the two-point convert? We don't know. So, but yeah, it clearly has an impact on the game. And that's what you don't want. Yeah, I mean, it stinks when you're on the wrong side of that, but it tends to even itself out. Like, I, I'm not going to lose a whole bunch of sleep about this. Um, DBs make mistakes. Quarterbacks make mistakes. Um, refs are going to make mistakes. It's right. fine. Like, it stinks. I wish they Human could fix age. it. I wish it didn't happen. And it sucks when it's your team and you're a fan of it. But, like, I don't know. It seems like a waste of time. I'm on Patrick's side. Yeah, but the difference, Tom, is when we make mistakes, there's no mechanism that can – Correct that mistake. Right. So we're having a conversation about expanding uh, instant replay. Like uh, in we're having a situation we can't. We're not going to change the rules mid-season. In that situation, it happens. That's fair. Move on. We should have changed the rules in the moment. And by the way, I'm <laughs> sick to death. I've been saying, look, the human element is the reason we have deodorant. No one likes the human <laughs> element. The human element stinks. That said, Dan, the other issues for <laughs> Kansas City do every now and again. Rear their ugly I think heads. I think if they don't get back to the Super Bowl, the number one reason will be because their receivers are not on the same page as the quarterback. Everyone talks about the drops. I think those are fixing themselves. This goes back almost multiple times this season where Patrick sees one thing. Bottom of the screen, MVS wide and releases, and then kind of goes towards the post, and Patrick throws him like he's trying to straighten him up to the top of the numbers. 
There he goes. Now, is it a post throw? I assume, but Patrick sees him. I want you to straighten up, and MVS breaks in. That's a walk-away touchdown, maybe, and then Sky Moore, top of the screen. They're trying to get a little pick route. The defender plays over the top. Sky Moore anticipates, hey, I'm going to slow down, back shoulder. Patrick throws it like continue to run. It's a turnover and a huge part of the football game. And this isn't just this game. I have been adamant about this, that the details and the understanding of how to be on the same page as the quarterback, both in structure and out of structure, have been an issue in Kansas City. And my concern is this, because I get it in September, October, November, in the press conferences, you say, like, we just, we got to start building, get better. It's December. And that's my concern is it it hasn't corrected itself. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you right there. The details are missing. Yes. All right? This this offense scares nobody, and you have the best player in the world at quarterback. Yes. But, man, oh, man, if you play in Kansas City, it used to be like, oh, God, I wanna, I'm going to yeah. be sick. Right. If I'm the coordinator, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to miss that game. Now you're like, hell, let's play it. Well, yeah. so, so let's figure this out quickly because I want to get to the Green Bay side of this in a second. But I'm old enough to remember when the AFC was supposed to be the greatest offensive conference of all time. And a combination of injuries and other things have left us here. Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami, Buffalo. Who are we buying? I mean, is Kansas City still the team to beat in the AFC or no? No, it doesn't look like it to me. I think it's probably the Ravens, given what they've done so far this season. You have to go with what they've done. Um, I think you could point to the Ravens as having similar issues in closing out games because it's happened a number of times. But those feel so fluky to me. It's not something consistent that you point to. The Ravens have been consistently the best team in the AFC so far. There you see the playoff picture right now. And Rex has been saying forever – If the Dolphins get home field advantage, watch Mm. out. Not because of the weather, but because their ability to run that offense without crowd noise being a factor is critical. That's the AFC side. We didn't have enough time for this earlier, so let's make sure we now have plenty of time to talk about the development of the young quarterback in Green Bay. He looks great. Yeah, they found their quarterback for the future. And right now, this team is dangerous because of him and this offense. The development of Jordan Love. I thought Matt LaFleur, their head coach and play caller, probably called the best game of the season when it comes to motions, formations, play action, how they attack. Nobody. I've watched every single snap of Kansas City's defense. Nobody offensively has done to Kansas City's defense what Green Bay did yesterday. It looked effortless. Kansas City had two possessions in the first half offensively. They owned the ball, Green Bay. I think the first 10 snaps, nine of them had motion. You're starting to see Christian Watson. And I think the biggest thing with Watson, guys, for me was the physical talent is starting to show. Like, his one touchdown, he throws McDuffie to the side in his route. So, I I think that this team right now is a very dangerous football team. Jordan Love, I mean, their, their, their play action has been awesome, but I think awesome. we need to focus in the play calling and design was all really great. But what Jordan Love is doing is really impressive. We don't see this type of improvement in accuracy very often in quarterbacks. And I know, Rex, you've seen just overall that improvement, but his ability to put the ball where he wants it yeah. when previously one of the real issues with him was he would read it right. Ball placement. But he would throw it yeah. wrong. I think a big part of that, Dom, is the play action, though. Yeah. I yeah. think they're protecting him a little bit more, so it's giving him – just a blink of a bit longer. And he mechanically, remember we, we talked he would get so oh hoppy God. and straight-legged at the top of his drop. He's just so much more balanced now. Yeah, I've never seen a guy make the improvements that this young man's made during the, during the course of a season, especially at the quarterback position. It's unreal. And, and Nick, you talked about his action. He was like 50% yeah. completion rate, you know, rate. 
this guy can't miss anything right now. Yes. And he's not forcing balls. He's doing all this. He sometimes will give his guys an opportunity to make plays. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, the confidence he's playing with is unreal. And I hate it. Why? Because I hated the draft pick yeah. when mm -hmm. they had the draft. Because they never, they were in a championship game, and they're building for the future. I did not want this kid to play as good as he is. <laughs> My gosh, he is. That's a dangerous is team in the NFC right six now. Six and six right now, which puts you right on path to get into the NFC playoffs. Meanwhile, coming up next, cue the outrage. On this morning after, we've got a lot to say about the egregious way it all got settled. Don't miss Desmond, EJ Manuel, and more next. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal, and you have to be willing to work for it. It's the speech that started it all. It's V-Week at ESPN. You can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org slash donate. At bottom of the hour, uh, all the NFL conversation today, and then, of course, this enormous story, the college football playoff semifinals, are set, and you see them on your screen. Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas should be sensational games. There's no question of that, and the winners will face off for the national championship a week later in Houston. However, the exclusion of Florida State, an undefeated conference champion, certainly got a lot of reaction, including this from Coach Mike Norvell. I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing games? A team that overcame tremendous adversity and found a way to win doing whatever it took on the field was cheated today. It's a sad day for college football. So we've had a great deal of opinion and perspective this morning. Our guys here have all gotten in on it. and They'll get back to it. Paul Feinbaum was with us earlier. Heather Dinich. That's E.J. Manuel, who, of course, went to Florida State, was a terrific quarterback there in his day, and now with us from the ACC Network, and we'll hear from E.J. in a moment. But, Desmond, there was never any question yesterday your team, Michigan, was going to get in. So I feel like I can just get a perspective from you. Do you believe that the committee got the right four teams yesterday? Gritty, as a former player, I, um, I don't think that they did for the simple fact that we, we used to say we want people, we want teams to go out there and have a competitive non-conference schedule. And so as players, they went out there and they had a very competitive non-conference schedule to start with. Don't forget, they, had, they played LSU at the beginning of the season and mm -hmm. beat a really good, formidable opponent in the Tigers. So we used to always say, ah, oh, this team is good, but their non-conference schedule they're playing directional schools. They went out there and took that chance. They took that risk. And I believe that they should be rewarded, rewarded for that on top of being an undefeated pack, uh, uh, power five champion, conference champion. So, and the whole excuse, Greeny, about the having an injured player, it's not like Tate Rodemaker tore his ACL. Uh, he was concussed. And if they weren't to play in one of the, you know, January one games, he will have um, almost four weeks to get healthy. So if you like that team with the defense that they have, which is a national championship caliber defense, there's no doubt about that. They have um, talent all around the quarterback position. Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman. This is a team that I think if you're looking at how they will look 
come a month from now, you would say they, they should have been in it, and you wouldn't look at the injury to the quarterback as something that would have kept them out, which is one of the excuses that I heard that they didn't uh, vote them into uh, the fourth position. Right. The only reason, the only conceivable reason you could have possibly left them out, would you have put them in, Desmond, to, again, to put someone in, you got to take someone out. Would you have taken out Alabama or Texas? Well, last week, Greeny, I was talking about this whole scenario, and I always said that I thought that the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, I thought that they put Alabama too far down even to beat the number one team in the country and to jump up that high to number four. I always thought that even if Georgia lost that game, that Georgia would slide down to number four because I didn't see them sliding down to number five. So it just made more sense based on what they've done historically that they would not slide Alabama all the way up if they won, but if they won and Georgia lost, they would slide uh, Georgia down to number four and not five. So I always thought that it would be an SEC team in the college football playoff, but I never imagined that they would knock Georgia out and then bump Alabama all the way up to number four from the eighth spot. So, for, yeah, for the record, uh, last week, Alabama was eight, Texas was seven. They both wind up getting in. All right, E.J. Manuel, again, uh, from the ACC Network. We all saw what happened yesterday, and there was an outcry from your part of the country, as one would imagine. What's your reaction to it all? Well, my reaction is that this is completely wrong. Uh, this is a crime, or not, not necessarily a crime, but a travesty truly to the players of this Florida State team who were able to show resilience, were able to show endurance, were able to show that they can win in multiple ways. And guys, isn't that what football is about? When did football become the, the game of quarterback? It's the game of football. And ultimately, if you have a team that can win a game without their star player, whether he's a receiver, whether he's a DB, whether he's a starting quarterback, and you still finish undefeated, you beat your rival on the road right here with Tate Rodemaker. You have an ACC championship game with your third-string quarterback, and you still beat them. You also put up more offensive yards than the Michigan team against Iowa in their conference championship, but they're a Power 5 conference champion, and they're now in the college football playoff as the number one team, and Florida State is left out at number five. I understand <laughs> Alabama beats Georgia. Texas also beat Alabama, but ultimately, this is a travesty to this Florida State football team. I feel bad for the players. I think this is just so wrong. And ultimately, when you look at it, Florida State has the most wins against Power 5 opponents that are also bowl eligible. So how can you then say that the resume doesn't match up to some of these other teams? Ultimately, they just wanted to have an SEC team represented in the college football playoff. Whether it's about the, to, to me, whether it's about the SEC or not is secondary. What this is is the day that football became figure skating. This is the day that we decided we're going to allow judges to decide who they think is best, as though there isn't some sort of objective criteria by which that decision can be made. We made this a subjective decision, which makes no sense. I said it earlier. Under no circumstances would we ever consider putting together a committee at the end of the NFL season made up of Rex Ryan and Bill Parcells and Mike Shanahan and Marv Levy and let them choose the 14 best teams because they know so much about football. This was an extraordinarily arrogant decision, whether it was based upon the conferences or not. There are any number of criteria by which you could have made this decision. And in every one of them, Florida State would have deserved to be in. Okay, so the system is broken. This is the, this is the year that it becomes very apparent about how the process – first of all, there's four teams. There's five Power Five conferences. Right. So eventually one of those elite Power Five or undefeated Power Five conferences was going to get left out. 
I completely like believe and understand Coach Norvell's emotion, Florida State fans, their players. It's not fair to them. It is not fair to what they went and accomplished this year. I agree with Dez as an ex-player. Like you sit there and go, there's no way. But guys, it's in the writing of the college football committee that if a instrumental player is not available, it is going to be something that is taken into when considering who the four best teams are. Earned, unfortunately, doesn't matter. Whether we agree with that or not, deserved, doesn't matter. And I would say this, when they played Florida, Florida played with a backup quarterback. Right. So that, again, the context of these games to the committee matters. I'm not saying that, but the committee is. EJ, go. Dan, I disagree because at the end of the day, you and I both have been backups. And if you tell me that I'm, I'm a backup on a championship team that wins a conference title, that stays undefeated, that now because I'm the backup and I'm playing and our starting quarterback can't play, we can't play for the national championship, that's not right. And I understand but what you're AJ, saying as far the, as the criteria. I, I understand what you're saying as far as the criteria. But ultimately, we're penalizing the players that are still available to play. And if, if the, committee, the committee should just then say, look, this isn't about the best teams. This is about who's the best quarterbacks. Who are the best four quarterbacks that can give us the best show, the best entertainment? That's not what football's about. The integrity of the game is if you win all your games, this goes back to Little League, guys. If you win all your football games, you're playing for an opportunity to win a championship. That's my biggest problem with this issue. Looking, but if it was about the best about, quarterbacks, LSU would be. If it, if well, let me let everybody most, go. If it's about them losing an instrumental piece. Well, LSU piece, didn't win all their games. If it's about losing an instrumental piece, you could make that same argument about Michigan. They went on to Absolutely. continue to win their games without having an instrumental coach. So it's the same argument be made there. And the thing that you want to be able to say is if you had done this, you would have got in. So, like, you could say to Alabama, if you had beaten Texas, you would have got in. You could say to Georgia, if you had beaten Alabama, right. you would have got in. You could say that to just about every team in Texas here. lost to Oklahoma. Right. To, te- to Oklahoma. But right. if you go to Florida exactly. State, you can't tell them anything. Exactly. But your quarterback should have had a stronger yeah. leg bone. Yeah, yeah. ironically, to, it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, this right. happened before with Ohio State. They had this third-string quarterback. Cardell Jones. Cardell yeah. Jones. Yeah. And they put them in. Yeah, yeah. right. And, they, and by and the they way, won they won right. the national championship. Well, they won something like 73 right. to nothing in the well, Big Ten championship game. The point is, the idea, listen, listen. Yeah. Last Friday, all anyone told me, Oregon's going to beat Washington. Oregon's going to beat yeah. Washington. Oregon's going to beat You know what happened? Yeah, exactly. Oregon didn't beat Washington. Because <laughs> exactly. we never know what's going to happen <laughs> in these games. We can only base these That's things right. based on things that have actually happened. The idea that we yeah. allow 13 people sitting in a room to decide who the four best are is ridiculous. And finally, in the but last year of its system. They don't play each other. Ha- the, there again. are criteria. I've got a sheet of it in front of me. <laughs> but Florida <laughs> State strength of record is third. But the, does the sheet tell you exactly. that the committee, exactly. again, say that the system is broken. The committee's job. The system job, is broken. I keep saying it. That's why they're going to 12. The committee's 100%. job was tasked to pick the four best teams. So right. you think, honest, honestly, whether earned deserves, you think that Florida State with their backup quarterback is better than Alabama? I think Georgia's better than anybody. How okay, about answer, that? But answer the question. No, I'm answering your question. No, of course I don't think that. But what the hell difference does it make what I think? Because that's the committee's <laughs> Georgia's one of the four best teams, and you know that in every I part of your body. So why don't you put them in then if you're just putting I the four best teams? I said yesterday I wrestled with not having Georgia in there. I don't have a pound-the-table definitive like stance on not having Georgia in there. If Georgia, but, you, but you do seem to have a pound-the-table definitive. 
definitive stance on why Florida State cannot exactly. be there until Greeny brings that point in front of you. So just go ahead and say that it's all messed up. Stop arguing that Florida State shouldn't be in. Stop trying to defend the committee. It's a it's a bad right, process right, that exactly, ends up with exactly. a bad result. So exactly. Desmond, go. Let me, let me get right. Des in here. Go, Des. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, Dan hit it. I said this when this system replaced the BCS, Dan hit it on the head. How are you going to have just four slots and you got five conferences? You can't. It was flawed from the jump. And then, Greeny, you hit it on the head, too. You can't have 13 guys trying to figure it out. All of it is subjective. If you say right. this team is the best, you wouldn't have looked at Alabama a week ago when they were about to lose to Auburn and say they were the best. It, it's, it fluctuates. It's up and down. But what we do now is we have a criteria, right? And we have metrics. And when things are close and when we're trying to split hairs, we go to those metrics, we go to those cri- the criteria, and the college football selection committee, they have enough criteria now to justify any decision that they make Good one point. way or another, yep, exactly. and that's the problem. Yep. AJ, I'll give you the fun. You are, you're not with us that often. We're delighted to have you. Rex loves you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a, a final word, EJ Manuel. Will go. EJ's my man. Appreciate it, Coach. The final word is Florida State was 2-0 against SEC opponents in a conference that was 6-4 and against the SEC. And the reason I keep bringing up the SEC is because, again, this narrative started weeks ago, even before Jordan Travis got injured, guys. So, ultimately, I still yep. feel like this is the wrong thing against, you know, a Florida State team that was a Power 5 conference champion. I understand that there's five, there's five conferences, but ultimately, to take out Florida State, the team that was undefeated, is the wrong thing to do. Now, look, if Jordan Travis was healthy, I can't imagine they wouldn't have put them into this thing. Right. But it doesn't make it right. Guys, thank you very much for jumping in here. We'll get back to the NFL in a moment. Philly falls flat. Are the Eagles leaving the door wide open for Dak and Dallas? We're going to dive into that in a moment. But first, here we go, Rex. This is a good one. Who was the last quarterback to win league MVP on a team that didn't win its division? Oh, my goodness. The answer's next. I'm reading the man's eyes, and I don't think he has it. <laughs> Sneaky Hembo. We're talking a lot about Dak and Jalen Hurts. Who's the last yeah. quarterback to win MVP on a team that didn't win its division? Uh, I like this kind of a, a shot in the dark here. Now, this is not my final answer. Because my thought was, like, did Lamar Jackson win? Did they win the division? Know, the, you know, the, but did Pittsburgh? Like... I don't know, but I'm like, no, that's not it. So I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take a shot at a guy that won multiple MVPs. Uh Uh-oh. All right? And it's not Tom Brady because they always won. We all know it. I was non-competitive. How about Peyton Manning? Oh, that's right. It's Peyton Manning. (laughs) That's correct. Peyton Manning is right. Uh, Dominique is coming. Oh, Nika's got him. <laughs> it was 2008. Indy, right? It was 2008. Get him. Get him. Do it. Uh, I got some. Well, who, what, what do I have? What do oh, I have? Oh, here you go. Rex, here you go. Boom! 
fucking boom, I own you, my friend. I own you. It That's was, right. Peyton Manning. Was it Denver? It was Indy, my friend. It was. It was 2008. Tennessee won the division. Peyton won the MVP. All right, well done. All right, Hembo. We've just lost Hembo. All right, switch up places here. Let's go back to Eagles 49ers, and as only he can, Danny's got a touch. Let's yeah, do it. Philadelphia defensively, if you look at that game, and then really towards Sunday night, the Cowboys are going to carbon copy some of the stuff. It's eyes and people. So what am I talking about when the eyes? So San Francisco is going to get into what we call a four-strong formation. Ball is on the left hash. They're going to put four people into the boundary. Guess what? Dallas does that as well. Now, they're going to go Debo Samuel motion because that's kind of what they do. Right. Ball is going to get snapped, and it's essentially going to get back to that four-strong. Now, here's what happens. They are going to ball fake. See how Brock Purdy has his back to the defense? If you're a defensive guy, you can't see the ball. So they're going to ball fake to Debo Samuel, and what they're going to do is take one guy there, Kittle, and another guy there. Now, I want everybody at home to pay attention to the second level. These three defenders, this was when I talked about poor eye discipline. As Debo goes that way, watch. They got eyes on the football, okay? Now, I want you guys to kind of see where these guys start, right? Middle of the hash, right on the hash, guy in between the numbers in the hash. As that ball fake goes to Debo Samuel, where do they end up? Mm -hmm. They're all so displaced because they're paying attention. Look at the space now that this offense has to easily attack. This is easy money for Brock Purdy because the poor eye discipline for Philadelphia defensively gives them an easy completion. Dallas Cowboys have that formation. They have that action. They will absolutely do that come Sunday night. And then third down situational football. What do we always say when it comes to football? Players over plays. That's zone coverage, right? So you've got bad eyes and you can't play zone. Well, we're going to go to man. They don't have the people to play man coverage in these situations. I want you guys to pay attention to this stack at the bottom of the screen. This is me not picking on people. This is how offensive coaches think. Number 39 for Philadelphia is going to be in man coverage. San Francisco is going to take Kittle and push vertical. And then the receiver behind him, Jennings, is going to widen and push vertical. This defender has Jennings in man-to-man, okay? Again, Dallas is not going to go after Darius Slayer, James Bradbury. Let me find the fish, the third or fourth guy that struggles in coverage. Now watch, he's going to play over the top. And this is going to be third and five to Jennings. We're talking, we're wide open. I win. Look it. The defender is left on the outside. Jennings is going to be running this in-breaker uncovered for a huge conversion. There's one clip. There's three of them in the second half. So if you're Dallas, you're sitting there going, well, let's attack their zone coverage because they have un- undisciplined eyes. And then when we get into those third down situations, we don't have to force the ball to a Darius Slayer, James Bradbury. We can find the guy that get matched up on our favorite guy. Those are just so good. I love watching those tapes. And so what I would ask you, Rex, as you watch that, is that about the 49ers being so good in execution and design? Is that about a problem you see for the Eagles defensively that will continue to be a problem? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a combination of the two. I mean, yeah. the Niners are going to stress any defense they play. Yes. But this defense in particular has struggled all year in the back end. And by the way, on third down, they're dead last in the NFL. So this has been a major problem, and that's why I don't think this team is anywhere close to what they were last year. The zone stuff, I think, is more about, well, honestly, most of it, I think, is more about the Eagles. When you have a stack like that, you got to press the point and take the bottom. That's third down clip you're talking. There are techniques that you can do to um, figure that out. But I also think with the zone, the discipline, the eyes, the things that they can do, but when they are weak in the middle of the field, which they are with the linebackers, 
guys and the safeties, and that's where San Francisco wants to attack. They're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and don't forget, Dallas, like, ever since that San Francisco game, offensively, has gotten so much better. They've become so much more creative. They've started to stress teams. So, yes, part of this is very San Francisco-centric, but you don't think Mike can McCarthy I, is watching this stuff? Can I say one thing, though? I enjoy your touchscreen because you look like a battle rapper. When you're up there, you get the hands going. And you're going <laughs> like, check this. It gets me hype. I'm in the side like, get him, Dan. I, I get him, son. And you know what? And every year, there's also a team, or every now and again, a couple of teams, that uh. wind up getting the wrong end of the schedule. Right. So the Eagles just played San Francisco at a time when the 49ers had played a Thursday game. Right. Now they're going to get the Cowboys. Cowboys have just played a Thursday game. So that I mm. think that was a factor yesterday. I think the Eagles looked tired in that second yeah. half, and the Cowboys are going to get that advantage this weekend. They're, well. they're on the back end of the scheduling when it comes to the short end of the stick when it comes to that. Yeah. But – you also have to be honest about who and what you are as a football team. Right. Philadelphia is a very good football team. They have flaws that they have to correct. Dallas is going to be coming off rest. They're going to sit there and say, well, we can attack them. Maybe not in the exact same way that San Francisco is, but in that same family the way that San you've Francisco po- did. You've been pointing that out all morning, and I think it's a good point to, to make. But the difference is the Eagles have been having trouble all year. If they right. were steamrolling people and then all of a sudden they got jumped on, I'd be like, good oh, point. yeah. But they've been having trouble all year with the same. Things that we saw and part of our job is we got to nitpick these top teams. Like we got to well, try to find their flaws. Well, they've had eight one-score wins. Yeah. This year, now it, it, to their credit, they got a championship medal. Mm-hmm. However, when you play these elite teams, yeah. they don't have the knockout. Pick. Hey, can they bring Big Dom with them to Dallas? Maybe he can get CD Lamb thrown out of the See, game or something gotta, like we that. We got to tell him, no, no. It's the guy that's <laughs> the scoring the ball. Yeah. <laughs> go get him thrown out. Okay. Him. Danny is going to have to run to first take, so he won't be with us at the very end of the show, which means. We're going to do the joke a little early. Here we go. All right, right, guys. So what starts with an E, ends with an E, and only has one letter in it? One. E. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. An envelope. That's not a Terrible. joke. It's, it's a funny. joke. It's yes, a real, it's a joke. Terrible. It's funny. No, hold on, hold on. It's a joke. Who laughed? Uh, well, no one laughed. because <laughs> so it's, it's not a joke. Of, okay, <laughs> let me correct myself. It's a joke. <laughs> it's not funny. Not funny. <laughs> You're the best, Danny. He's <laughs> off the first yeah, day. Stephen A. and Shannon will be ready for him. What? A surprise. The 49ers blew out the Eagles. How about the FSU debate? What's 6'5 and is not funny and also not funny? <laughs> A denvelope. <laughs> All right, we got Monday Night Football coming your way tonight. We got the Jaguars, we got the Bengals, ABC, ESPN, Deportes, Peyton, and Eli will be on ESPN too. Bengals, Jags, any question? Who wins this I, one? I'm going to take the Jags. Trevor Lawrence playing great. Yeah, I agree. Jags, pull it off. It's a shame it's not Lawrence Burrow, against yeah. Joe Burrow, but we will see, and we'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. First day starts now.